0: No registration is required with RCAT, so try it today and get ahead on your next project. Visit RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com.
1: Everyone in our office has like an expertise because they did a project that uses this one material that's new, and no one else has touched it yet. So like we we always are trying to share information that we glean from the projects we've worked on or the ones that we've seen other people spec into, And, you know, it's a... It's definitely growing that knowledge base is really important for architects, I think.
0: This is Detailed, an original podcast by RCAT. I am your host, Sharice Lakeside, Senior Specification Writer at RDH Building Science and fondly known as the CSI Kraken. We will speak with professionals who share their insights into the most complex, interesting, and odd building conditions and the ingenuity it took to make it work. Join me as I pull back the curtain on the building industry and uncover the lessons learned. You'll gain valuable knowledge to help you better navigate your next project. Welcome to Detailed. The voice you heard in our opening was today's guest, Bob Carbaugh, AIA Project Architect at Scott Edwards Architecture, LLP, right here in Portland, Oregon. Bob is keenly interested in the integration of story and identity into architecture and interiors. He works frequently in the hospitality sector with restaurant and brewery clients across the nation. Past brewery clients include Ten Barrel Brewing in Bend, Oregon, Blue Point Brewing in New York. Golden Road Brewing in California, and one of my personal favorites, Fort George Brewing in Astoria, Oregon. Today, we are going to chat about another brewery client, Steeplejack Brewing Company, and their new large-scale production brewery in Hillsboro, Oregon. As always, click the link in our show notes to see the project and additional details as you listen along, or Visit www.rcat.com podcast. Named Best New Brewery at the 2022 Oregon Beer Awards, Steeplejack Brewing Company is most known for two things. Their unique and exceptional beers and the beautiful build-out of their principal space where they restored a 110-plus year-old church in Northeast Portland's Sullivan's Gulch neighborhood. And I can attest to how beautiful that facility is because I have been there. To give you a sense of who they are, Steeplejack's website reads, Here at Steeplejack, good beer isn't just about what's in the glass. It's about where it's served and who you share it with. Our town square just happens to be a piece of Portland's rich history. We are at our best when we create places where people want to explore, discover, exchange ideas, and celebrate. And I couldn't agree more. Shortly after the completion of their first location, Steeplejack quickly expanded their footprint to three locations to showcase their exceptional ales and lagers. One of those locations was the production facility and Tap Room, located in Hillsboro, Oregon. This build-out was within a vast industrial warehouse, quite different from their first space. The challenge then became how to architecturally reinterpret their identity and humanize the warehouse scale in a meaningful way. Steeplejack Brewing Company tapped Scott Edwards' architecture for the challenge of designing the production brewery and the tap room.
1: Steeplejack came to the table and they had a location, which was sort of the namesake for their brand as Steeplejack was someone who like would climb up the the towers and like do maintenance on like the the steeples. Right. So that was a person and an individual. And so name comes from that, but there's like an ethos that also comes from like running a restaurant and having a historic property under your belt already. There's a lot of identity tied up in that. So it was important that we make something that was not so focused on production that we just omitted the customer experience or kind of took a, a two stripped down approach. We wanted it to feel consistent with the brand but also how do you do that? Like, like I mentioned, it was a giant shell space that was completely vacuous, <laughs> it was huge. So we had to introduce the character ourselves.
0: Looking for character to pull from this setting was a challenge, but Bob was able to find some areas of interest.
1: This is a 16,500 square foot building. When we um, got our hands on it, it was an empty shell. It was, it's essentially just a spec industrial building out in Hillsborough, Oregon. Built fairly recently, it's a lot of tilt-up concrete. It had some exposed wood when you walked inside on the ceilings for the this roof structure, but largely it's just a big empty box. So the challenge became as we we got into it is to insert a brewery and tap room and distribution center into this uh, facility that's pretty devoid of character in a lot of ways. It could be anywhere in the country in terms of like the, the setting outside. But the, there was a kind of one really interesting feature about it from the exterior that's unique to it. And there's these all these high voltage lines that are right next door to the site. And you can actually hear the humming a little bit if you're standing like right next to them. But they're those really tall ones. But what it means is that there's all this preserved outdoor space underneath it. So like no one can really develop underneath it. So there's this great big meadow. Kind of outside of that, of the of the location that when you park you can see it, and when you're inside, you can see it. So there's a really interesting connection to the outside that's maybe unique to the site.
0: Scott Edwards Architects, or SEA, did an initial dive into experiential design to set the stage for what makes the steeplejack experience unique and how that can inform the new opportunities provided in this brewery build-out.
1: From the beginning, really trying to understand how to approach the project and maintain budget and try to maintain the feel was a challenge on the design side because, uh, again, like we said, like the church—I mean, it's just—it's so intimate and lovely, and it's got all these nooks and crannies and beautiful wood. And so, how do you how do you translate that brand experience to another location? That's empty and for us like this is what i love about architecture in the the realm that i work in which is frequently in restaurants and breweries is working with people to express that in in architecture and interiors and so we we did a little kind of concept document early on and we sometimes do this with clients if they're interested in it and exploring this with us where we we talk about like what makes their brand unique and it's not like we're doing a full rebrand or brand package but we're just like hey this is what we see and it's a validation of like kind of the approach that we're about to take. So we're trying to get buy off early on for like this is the road we're going to go down if you're open to it. Tell us you know, how you're feeling. And so we we kind of looked at the steeplejack brand. We talked about like what does it mean to have a steeplejack space? Where like what what concepts can we can we identify right now that like we can walk anywhere. We're not even talking about what what it's going to look like or materials yet. We're just like, what does it mean that we can pick any space, any building that you might find and be like, Bob, I want to do a test fit here. Let's talk about this building. And I can say, okay, we'll just apply these ideas and We'll be able to turn it into something that feels close to your brand. And then for us on this one, we we talked about two different concepts, which was fellowship and reverence, as being thematic elements that we can explore. You know, it's it's reverence for the craft, the space, the the area that we live in, and then it's about fellowship, and which is you know. A term that's borrowed from you know religious kind of experiences sometimes and like communities there where you have you have a gathering of people who are like-minded and who are it's not just like we're meeting to fraternize it's we're meeting to like become better and to like enjoy community in a really meaningful way so those were the two things that we came up with and that dovetailed into like the exploration of concept and materials and space and what those could mean and ultimately led to where we ended up with the project so that exploration early on was a really good strategy to tee us up and set us up for success in the future. But then the, you know, the design challenges are that transition and the, like that complexity of it is going taking that idea, like we can make a rendering, we can make a mock-up, we can make some good floor plans, but then you hold on to that through construction and it's it's it becomes this idea where you've got a concept and like you want to hold on to it, you know, so it doesn't slip away from you. But there's realities of construction too that come up you have to deal with and things may not go where you want them or the, the pipes have to go a certain place or, you know, we have to trench this out or that. But so you have to hold on to it so it doesn't slip away. You also have to hold, like hold on to it, like not so tightly that you strangle it.
0: Right. <laughs> you know? That's usually a good uh, idea. <laughs> so,
1: and, and I think for this one, it was like, that was a challenge a little bit just, but it was also, you know, it was came off pretty successfully. Thanks to like the the great partners we had at the mechanical contractors brewery, piping people, structural engineering, everyone. It was, it was just a really great team. And we were all on on board with where the concept was going and pretty open with communication on making it happen.
0: Conceptually, the building is organized into three distinct, but interrelated moments conceived of at Three different scales of experience, cathedral, chapel, and field. The focal point of the building is the brewery itself, the cathedral on center stage and axially aligned to the front entry door so that when you walk in, you feel immediately immersed in the brewery.
2: I'm going to give Bob the credit here. I can't remember who came up with the idea, but it was probably Bob.
0: This is Brody Day, co-owner of Steeplejack Brewing Company.
2: They said, hey, you know, it'd be really cool. Your first location's in a, you know an old church, and it used many years ago. It had a pipe organ what if we configured the tanks in a pipe organ type fashion where you put the smaller tanks and it all meets in the middle with the brew deck and a big sign and i just thought oh man that's going to be killer you know now operationally this is kind of less ideal right because we're intentionally spacing out stuff for a visual effect well in brewing to a large degree you want stuff closer together you know it's less hoses it's you know all of that so We had to kind of find, okay, if we put this in this configuration, what does it do to us operationally? We know it's going to look really cool. does it make sense operationally. So we had to spend a lot of time working together and figuring out what the right answer to that was. But I think that the configuration of the brew house was the single biggest thing we had to kind of navigate through. And I'm thrilled of how it turned out. We really struck that balance of operational efficiency while at the same time, you know, visual interest is high
1: comes down to the process and it's when you're doing industrial projects there's always this kind of process flow that is the the underlying thread and that carries through the design and understanding that and how, how that integrates into the the space and future expansion even utility connections all of that is is really the the bones of the project and if it doesn't work then the project is worthless right so all of that comes down to a lot of technical stuff a lot of Coordination with people who are you know far far smarter than I am about breweries, which is often the client. Sometimes we bring in a brewery consultant as well to to help with you know understanding what kind of products to spec as well. So I think that leaning on the expertise of your clients and of also the other contacts and people that you know in the field is is pretty critical to that. But I think that the flows of the process as it relates to like equipment, I, and from an architect standpoint, it's a little bit unique, and that these pieces of equipment are, are huge. Yeah, <laughs> They create architecture and they carve out space just by existing. And so working, and you know, I think a lot of the joy of working with breweries is that people love to see that stuff and it's not it's not often behind closed doors anymore and there's there's ways to really showcase that. And that was an exciting thing that we loved about this project and something that the client was really interested in as well. As far as how we approach it and how I personally like to look at them, I get the cut sheets for whatever the owner wants to use. And more so than we would with, like, a kitchen, I think that there's a lot of study that goes into, like, what am I looking at? Like, because this is foreign to a lot of architects as you as you start to learn about it is, like, what are the requirements of this thing? And, like, I try to think of them as, like, people. <laughs> you know, I, I try to get to know them a little bit. Like, what do they need? What do they like? Where do they want to be? Do they want to be on the outside? Like, by the You know, exterior wall. Do they need to be by shipping receiving? You know, do they want to talk to you know this other piece of equipment, and how does that work?
0: (laughs) I love that.
1: You know, you have to play a little bit, right, Right. and have fun. And and for me, that's that's a part of the what makes these projects really, really enjoyable. And I think that the more you do that, the more you realize like where the opportunities are. Because I can come to the table some grand architect vision, and then the brewer is going to be like, dude what are you doing? <laughs> like, that doesn't work. And it's a lot of, like, understanding, like, okay, like, these things have a relationship, but, like, if we just adjust them a little bit, you know, or we do this thing, and we arrange it this way, that you really start to create, like, opportunities and see where those can be. But it comes from, like, a, a diligence and an understanding of of the process itself.
0: SCA coordinated closely with the system designers, harder mechanical, to keep things clean and organized so that the tanks stood out.
1: You know, they do all sorts of scales of projects. I mean, they they do big refineries and huge, huge industrial applications too. I mean, they were just phenomenal in terms of their ability to solve problems. And I mean, we don't always do this sort of thing. Like sometimes there are people who are just like, I just don't want, you know, we're, or the concept isn't tied to necessarily like the tank layout more than like the tanks are over on this side. But because we had like such an architectural move that we wanted to pursue with kind of opening up the tanks out towards the entry we made like a tank coordination floor plan where we pinpointed the exact location we had of the center of every tank and where the feet would be and where the diameters of these things. We shared that with them. We shared that with the brewers and they were able to, you know, we'd be like, do you need a little bit more space in between the tanks for the pipes? And then we're like, is this enough space? It doesn't seem big enough. They're like, yeah, we got this. We got this. We got this. Then you get out there and it's just, when you go out there, I challenge you just to like look in between the tanks and see all the piping that's there. Cause like I, my mind can't comprehend how they did that. But it, it really cleans up the space. And for us too, that sequence of like when you enter and that impact you get from looking like down the aisle to the 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 brew house and the brewery, that was just so so important to try to clean up as much as we could. We didn't want drops for like pipes and electrical just kind of coming down willy-nilly everywhere. So we we really worked to try to figure out where those needed to be, where we could kind of collect them together and if we could run them on the back wall versus having them up above. And all those conversations, you know, along the way, like I said, we're not trying to strangle the design or, you know, hamper anyone from doing their jobs because we got pushed back, you know, on occasion. We had to roll with it and be like, yeah, that makes sense. We'll we can accommodate that this way. But it's just a lot of coordination from that, that regard. There's other products that, like the the chain-based system, which is like a, brings the grain from the, the mill room to the the actual tanks. And that, that has, you see it, it's like, it's basically like little cups, like little discs that have chains that run through them and it it runs in a pipe and it's kind of concealed you don't ever see it but it basically is a an easy way to move without augering a bunch of grain or other goods and they use them in like if you're doing like a cereal packaging facility they would use it too there and it moves it from point a to point b and it does so without bruising the grains so they had their own drawings we had to work with and it was it's the same sort of coordination you might do for like a plumbing engineer maybe but it's there's a couple more disciplines and trades that are involved in, in producing drawings as well.
0: I'm looking at that particular picture right now. They did a fantastic job of kind of concealing those pipes in a way that the room has a little bit more of an architectural feel than it does an institutional feel. And this is just my crazy brain at work. But at the back part of those lines of tanks, there's some stairs going up to a landing. And then the steeplejack logo is on the wall above that All I can see now is a pulpit. (laughs) When I look at that, it's like a pulpit, maybe the choir, the tanks or the choir. I'm I'm going way, way down rabbit holes now.
1: No, 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 it's fine. It's funny you say that. I never thought of it as a pulpit, but I mean, people are always, you know, this is the great thing about art and architecture is interpretations and the stories people are coming up with after the fact. I love that. For us, there was a pretty direct correlation in terms of like the tanks and to like a pipe organ that was kind of like one of the concept images we had was having the, the smaller tanks in the front and then as they expanded with bigger capacity tanks that those would go behind and you can see that on the left side of that the main image uh, when you're looking at the brewery that there's like the larger tank that's there and the intent would be that as they expand and if they add more tanks that they could put those you know the, the slab is designed to handle it so they can add another tank on the right side that's huge and goes up to the ceiling too
0: the bar is envisioned as a small chapel with a direct draw beer draft system tied to a concealed walk-in cooler behind the bar. The canopy of this chapel is made of a cantilevered structural frame with Unistrut Strut and custom-formed powder-coated metal panels. Lighting and fire sprinklers are integrated tightly into the panel layout. In theme with this handcrafted art form of brewing, Bob turned to a handcrafted technique to convey the design intent of the canopy to the client. He built a physical model.
1: So the mock-up that we made, we made several mock-ups, but the, the one that made it into the final project was for the canopy structure that's over the bar. So the, the bar has a this chapel kind of scaled to it. We went through and we, we divided up the space and carved out an identity for kind of each zone. So this would be a very very important moment because it it was kind of where we chose to like push the design if we had to pick one thing about the project that was from like an architecture standpoint you know obviously we have the tanks and the brewery but then like this how we treated and brought the scale down for that bar was super important and to us it merited more study in terms of understanding what the what that material would be what the quality of it would be so we made a mock up i made like a little basswood mock up of the profile of that it's um so the material itself is it's a powder-coated metal. It's basically, it's just brake metal is what it is. But we, we really wanted to do, we want to do stainless or something like that. And then we get the pricing back for what stainless might be for right. material. And you're like, ah, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe <not>. aluminum, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So we, we went through a few options and. For something that's like a unique concept that maybe is like not something that the client's going to understand right away. And in our in our notes for the show, I, we included a little sketch. So when we presented that sketch to the client, we also had a little mock-up. It was a basswood mock-up of like four-inch strips and they're kind of arranged. And we glued them all together in the form of what the profile of that canopy would be. So it's a one-to-one scale, a little mock-up. It's about like 24 inches wide with a Unistrad attachment underneath it too to show how we'd support it all. And then we had little plates of aluminum that we used in there to kind of show the reflectivity of it and something that we've started integrating into our process a lot more is to like create mock-ups and like really introduce the client to the materials and the concepts that they might be less familiar with you know and more than just like a computer rendering because i could show a rendering of what that space would look like but you know you don't get to feel it and touch it and understand it and people just respond so much better to models and especially people who aren't from a design background so for us, that was, you know, it was a good moment in the meeting just to like be like, I have a sketch, and then I've got this model. And it was like, yeah, okay, I can see where this is going. Because you see the reflectivity and like the subtle play of the lights, and you hold it at an angle, and you can see the way that the, the globe fixtures will kind of get distorted a little bit. And it has a little bit more of like a mysterious and kind of magical, interesting quality to it.
0: The open seating area of the taproom is conceived of as an open field a gas fire pit and flue anchor the far side of the space and provide views out to a large grassy green space. Angled track lighting above was an elegant and simple way to define the space, but finding a balance within the overall design was a challenge.
1: You're balancing two different competing interests. On one hand, you're trying to create a comfortable restaurant dining experience, you know, which typically would be like a 2700 to 3000 Kelvin light. And then you're balancing people who are jamming out to rock music and brewing beer when people aren't dining, right? Or maybe while people are dining, and they want to have these high bay fixtures that have like really even illumination so they can see what they're doing. Those typically run in like a higher, like 4,000 Kelvin temperature. So there's those kind of competing things too, where you have to like understand like, okay, well, we're gonna have to have general illumination above, and then how do we bring the scale down with these other movements? So it is a task to to balance and. I think that it turned out pretty well in this one, though.
0: SEA continued to search for ways to further build on their concept and infuse the steeplejack brand that emerged from their first location. And foresight from the owner presented another opportunity to do so.
1: We're trying to bring in some sense of intimacy, too, into the space. And for the owner is an incredible guy. He went through when they bought that church and for the original location, and he went through and he deconstructed the interior and salvaged all the lumber so he rented out storage space and he when i imagine it wasn't just him but he he went through and he pulled down and saved everything and it was i mean we're talking like he saved the lath from the lath and plaster and so the booths if you go out to the hillsborough location and if you're if you're next time you're at the one on on broadway in portland their church location like a lot of the furniture a lot of the booths all that stuff is made of reclaimed lumber lumber from The original church, so he's repurposing it even down to I think some I think like he's got like a coffee table that was made with one of the ends of the pews or something in that original building. Anyway, that's another story. But he so he saved all this stuff and he he's it's it's an important part of the of the story to bring to this location too. So the booths are made partially with the reclaimed lumber as well, and then the back wall that is wrapping the the cold box where the brew kegs are the beer kegs are that wood reclaimed wood cladding you're seeing there is is referential to that, the salvaged wood from the owner.
0: Beyond aesthetics, breweries have a lot of unique elements that Bob had to consider for product and material selections.
1: A lot of the products that we use and are, are trying to achieve those goals of like cleanliness and, you know, you have to have a sterile environment. It's a food production facility. It's a beverage production facility. And for that, You know, there are some standards, but there's also like some criteria for all the materials that you have to be able to achieve. So, a lot of people will do breweries with like just a basic concrete floor or something. And, you know, there's all sorts of facilities out there that we've been to. For this one and for a big production brewery like this, we we were looking very particularly at a resinous flooring system, which is a urethane based floor coating. But I mean, you know, even before we do that, like we have to lay out where the tanks are going to go. And, (laughs) Where the tanks go, it's not like you just drop them on the concrete and you're set. Uh, um, these are big tanks, and because of that, they have when they're filled with with liquid or water or whatever it is, they're very, very heavy. So we actually have to had to rip out the slab because it had an existing like six inch slab. We had to put in, I think it was a twelve inch slab, maybe something like that in this one, but like really, really big, robust slab, with a lot of rebar so that we can land the tanks and then you have to coordinate the layout and then you have to think about expansion and are they going to expand do you have space on that slab or are they going to have to pour a new slab later so we're doing all of that you create this sort of footprint for where the brew house is going to be in the cellar which is the fermentation tanks and then you have from there the floor coating that goes on top of that and so we we used a was a Cretus product on this one but it was a it's a polyaspartic floor coating system, which is oftentimes they use polyurethane too. The polyaspartic has just a quicker cure time. And that has like an integral cove base that you can wrap up. So it creates basically a a bathtub where you need it and integration into the trench drains. And so it's really getting all those sort of I mean, we spent more time designing the slab and the location of it than, you know, just as much doing that as we do a lot of the other things. And then, you know, brewers are very particular about how they're going to be cleaning things up and, you know, the way they're going to operate. So we had a couple of different coordination meetings where we had all the MEP at the table. We had us at the table we had the owner and then we had his brewers themselves there to talk about it with us and, and work through the issues. But certain things are messy and they have to be confined to other tanks or other areas too. So like the malt handling room where they, they're, Handling and like processing all the grains initially when they get them like that can create some dust, which has you know, its own like containment requirements to keep that separate from everything else too. And plus, you don't want to create a huge mess in front of the customers, so it just makes sense. Like that has a functional relationship towards the back of the space. On the back side of the brewery, there is it's a full height tile wall. We use the dull tile product for that, but it's just a kind of a large format tile. You have to have washdowns that happen with all the tanks. So everything that you put out there, basically you have to play in for anything in the surrounding environment getting hosed down, too, because of the, the splash that'll happen. So you have to be pretty careful with the coatings that you're putting on the surfaces immediately around the brewery.
0: The owners had a brilliant approach to this build-out, developing a fully functioning and well-designed space that stood on its own, while including creative solutions that informed their growth. One element was a first for me and a head-scratcher for them to figure out how to do.
2: I have no way of proving this, but we were told by many people at the city and the county that we're the first ones in uh, Washington County and the city of Hillsboro to install a food cart inside a building. From a code standpoint, this was very unique. We had intended to have a food cart that would serve pizzas and salads and you know sandwiches and so forth. And put it outside. But due to the nature of the industrial complex that we were in, it, it turned out that that wasn't approved. So we couldn't have that outside. So we had to figure out how to move it inside. But if you move it inside, you have to connect it to ducting and you have to connect it to natural gas and water and so forth. But it also has to be mobile. So I think one of the most challenging parts of, of the build was kind of navigating with the city and permitting and understanding like, is this, do you treat this as a kitchen? Or do you treat it as a food cart? And both have very different regulatory approaches and permitting. And so that that was probably one of the most uh, challenging aspects of the build.
0: Similar to a food truck, the indoor food cart is a roughly 7 foot by 18 foot long structure on a trailer.
2: For all intents and purposes, it's it's a fully equipped kitchen, but it's inside a cart. And the intention was, well, we want to build a full kitchen out at some point in the future. And we kind of, you know, there's underground you know, infrastructure to support that and so forth. But from our perspective, we wanted to get the building open and kind of understand what the customer would want to see. And so building a commercial kitchen is very expensive. And so we wanted to figure out, okay, well, we went out and bought this cart, had it custom made to what the food kind of food we wanted to serve. And then we installed it inside the warehouse, but you got to think, I mean, this warehouse is, you know, 26 foot tall ceilings. It's, you know, Eighteen thousand square feet, so we used a small corner of it to house the cart
1: inside. That was a bit of a challenge and I had scratcher to figure out because you know it's it seemed simple—you just put it inside, but then you've got ventilation. You know how do you do exhaust? You have a hood, and it's in the and they're they're cooking pizza, and it's it's a different type of hood. It's not grease laden vapor, so it's not the same as what you might see in a lot of restaurants. It's a little bit less. You're just basically trying to get rid of the moisture in the air, but it was uh yeah. The way that the building department looked at that versus how the mobile feud unit in Hillsborough looked at it, there was, everyone was kind of scratching their heads trying to be like, well, yeah, it's always, or they'd be like, it's really simple. Do this. And then you go to the building department and they're like, oh yeah, it's really simple. It's a, it's an employee work area and you have to have like basically an accessible path to get to it. And you're like, well, but the door isn't big enough. (laughs) So there was, there was that whole like, back and forth and we definitely you know we made everyone happy but it was uh, it took a, a few moments to try to like figure out the best way to integrate a, a food card on the inside not as simple as it sounded to
0: pull off this amazing facility it took an equally amazing team so besides your MAP who were some of the key players on this team that really helped bring it all together? Because we always we all know this is all a team thing. Tell me about who was involved in this project.
1: Yeah. The general contractor was Swinners and Builders, which we have had a long-standing relationship with. And they've also worked very closely with Harder Mechanical over the years. They were an incredible partner with this one too, coordinating the construction. The structural engineer on the project was Kurt Fisher Structural Engineers. And we worked with them on a Golden Road Brewing project in Sacramento. And we did a a very large outdoor canopy that was mind-boggling to design and integrate into the site. It was like, it's an outdoor brew pub there. And we had this giant canopy that we made. And so when we started looking at this project too, we, we knew that there'd be some kind of like intervention that would be going into the, the project, like this canopy that we ended up designing. We had a really strong working relationship with them and knew that they were the right partner for it. They just knocked it out of the park. It's nice when you have engineers that are calling you up and saying like, hey, like we... We came up with this new idea, and like they were pretty excited about the canopy, of the design too. And I get fun calls from them. Where they're like, "Yeah, no, like that column you didn't want there. Like we got rid of it. Like we we figured this out." And so it, I love setting the tone early on too, and trying to make it like a fun process for people. And I think that in this one, it definitely came together in that way.
0: And of course, no project goes without a few lessons learned
1: the biggest lessons learned are it's really just growing your knowledge and continuing that you know the first brewery you do or first project you do of a certain type like you kind of you're starting to understand it and then you get to a point where you can have better and better conversations with the people that you're designing for and i think now i really appreciated just the the ability to like enter the room and talk to the people who are the end users like the brewers who are actually running the facility and being really pushy about engaging them early on to into those conversations or if it's not that person you know maybe they haven't hired a brewer yet then it's bringing in someone from the outside who is really knowledgeable about it just to and someone who has lots of experience in working in breweries too because you know as much even if I dropped everything and I started a career as a brewer <laughs> like I I wouldn't end up with the knowledge that a lot of these people have you know, already from 10 years and you know, in the industry, say. So I, I think that that was for me was like just heading home a lot with this one was the importance of the knowledge base of the people you're working with.
0: Before we close out this episode, I always try to gain some additional insight from our guests about the greater industry. Like, what could we be doing better?
1: I think really researching the products in a way like, for instance, I had a project recently where we wanted to use a material. And like the owner loved the sample that we provided, you know, we have the little swatches and things. And then I looked at it and I was like, "I'm glad you like it." Like, I'm not sure about it personally. So like, let's. And I went out and I did a lot of research to figure out like what are the pros and cons because every material performs good in some scenarios, bad in others. And if you detail it the right way, and someone installs it the wrong way, then you know, it may not look as good as you want it to. So I think for me, like I my advice and thing, you know, something I always remind myself to try to do is to really pursue seeing installations in full size and like finding actual buildings that have it installed or also keeping the rep engaged, you know, throughout the process too and knowing who they are and how they can assist you if if you need more information or a question comes up, making sure that they're available to you. It can really give you the the ammo or the, like save you in, in some different ways, like especially in construction when we're like, I don't know like if the clip got installed the right way for that sighting. Like, you know, but I know how I drew it and I knew like I know what the spec says, but like did the, the person who was, you know, attaching that to the stud really understand it fully. And, you know, I think that just that that persistent engagement and desire to know and really understand the materials you're working with, I think is really important. And there's there's so many great products out there. There's so many new products. It's not like we're just building with like log cabins anymore, you know. Everyone in our office has like an expertise because they did a project that uses this one material that's new and no one else has touched it yet. So like we we always are trying to share information that we glean from the projects we've worked on or the ones that we've seen other people spec into and you know it's a, it's definitely growing that knowledge base is really important for architects I think.
0: I truly enjoyed this conversation with Bob and enjoyed hearing all about steeplejack brewing company. You can be assured I will be making a trip out there to have a beer and see them in person. I hope this episode sparks a new idea, helps you solve a problem that you've been working through or inspires the mark that you want to leave on this world on your path to world domination.
1: For me, the statement I would say is to make space for community to grow. And I think for me that's doing restaurants, doing breweries, doing even, you know, credit unions or art galleries or whatever. Like it's it's me slowly realizing that like that's all part of the same equation in a lot of ways. And to me, that's as architects, like we're we're making some space. It's gonna be here a while, but you know, it's it might be gone, you know, and may only last twenty years or ten years or five years. But like the community around it that was built, like, is gonna live on in people's memories and you know, it could grow into something bigger. And for for me that's I think that's professionally like what I've really enjoyed about, about the field and something that I'm, I'm still chasing and trying to get right and (laughs) figure out. But yeah, I think make space for community grow.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more, visit rcat.com forward slash podcast to see photos, details, and more related project and product information that we discussed today. While you're there, take a look around RCAT.com. For over 30 years, RCAT has been the resource for AEC professionals to find the right products for their project. Try RCAT and see how their tools can save you time and money and help you get ahead on your next project. Visit RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot If you enjoyed the show, you can support us by subscribing, leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing this with your friends. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back to share more stories and lessons learned to help you navigate your next project.